following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're watching us in one of your favorite places, to catch podcasts later in the week as well. It is DJ right now, not quite joined by my co-host, Kelsey, yet he will be joining me here in just a little bit. But in the meantime, you guys will get to hang out with me for just a little bit. We got plenty to talk about in the world of sports. We got basketball. We still got football. Baseball is a hop, step, and a skip away. We got fisticuffs. We got a little bit of everything we are going to go over today. It's going to be one heck of a show, so I appreciate you all for coming in to hang out with us. And you know what? Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump right into it. That's going to lead us into the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by your friends over at SeatGeek. Use code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first set of tickets. Once again, BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first set of tickets for any concerts, sporting events, anything that you might need tickets to. Definitely head on over to SeatGeek and use our code there. And you know what? We're going to start things off in the octagon and heading over to UFC 298. And if you turned into the show last week, you know Kelsey and I kind of talked about, especially me a little bit there. Usually there was always a big UFC card the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and we were kind of missing that this year. They were just a week off not having a UFC event. Well, a week late, a week after that, and we definitely did not miss. They did not miss with this one. UFC 298, a solid card, to, pretty much top to bottom. Really enjoyable, very tense-filled ones in a few of them as well, too. The co-main event, Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker was tense all the way through. So I think it's a really good one, but we're going to go ahead and just skip all the way ahead to the main event, which was the primary attraction. Primary attraction, pound-for-pound pound elite Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Ilya Topera, the Spaniard, undefeated, 14-0 coming into the fight. String of knockouts, string of finishes. And it was kind of one of those, the betting odds shifted a lot. A lot of the consensus when you looked online, a lot of experts and just people talking about it were feeling Volkanovsky ski rightfully so i mean he was looked unbeatable at 145 but at the same time when you look at the betting odds where a lot of the money was going to it had become a minus 102 to plus 120 somewhere in those lines as well to someone who bet on both sides because the odds are so good i'm sure that i was going to walk away with a little bit of money with that one but when you look at it was a really really close fight on paper coming in because of Ilya's ability to shut the lights out so quickly his hands are so clean so fast even if they're not perfectly technically straight down the pipe sometimes they wing a little bit they're so fast and they are still tight his elbow stays in tight he makes a 90 degree angle with those hooks when they land so he throws with fury with vengeance with bad intentions and he caught alex and i believe it was the third round too after a couple of really close early rounds as well you could i believe volkanovsky was actually leading winning the fight up until that point if nothing else they were tied at one round apiece and Ilya showed why he's so dangerous, why he was such a why he was such a threat, why there were people who were like, oh, he might actually be that he might be able to pull this off. And shutting the lights out, folding Volkanovsky too, like it it looked like a cheap launch air. It was really rough to see him go down like that. But that also begs the question too is what exactly is next? And looking at it now, obviously a Volkanovsky rematch makes a lot of sense. Longtime champion get him in there, but the dude's been KO'd in back-to-back fights with a short layoff. If I'm on his team, I'm like, you're chilling the rest of the year. We're not getting back in there. Let your brain heal. Let your head recover. Those type, those type of knockouts, they linger if you get back in there too quickly. So if I'm his team, I'm recommending him sit for a little bit. That gives Ilya a chance to defend it. Maybe Max Holloway, depending on how he comes out of this UFC 300 fight against Justin Gaethje. That's one hell of a matchup. You do have some other guys. Yair Rodriguez, we'll see how he comes out of his next matchup as well too. There are some very, very good 
head-to-head matchups coming up with those two with those guys as well. He has said that they should all just retire. He's not going to fight any of them, but we'll see at this point. I don't know if he's quite able to call those shots. Sean O'Malley's already said he wants to fight him next, but I'm of the bill of you need to get a couple of title defenses before you start chasing belts in multiple divisions with the, of course, like rare exceptions of a Conor McGregor or something like that. But that doesn't apply to every single champ. You don't get to get a belt, one title defense or less, then jump it, then jump away class. So I want to see Ilya fight. If he doesn't get the Volkanovski rematch right away, which I hope the Vol- I hope they have Volkanovski sit after a knockout like that. I really don't want to see him jump right back into the octagon with that guy. So I'm going to say let him sit, let him recover, get the immediate rematch when he's ready, give Ilya one of those other guys, and then just depending on how it plays out, you roll from there. Maybe Ilya fights Max Holloway. If he beats him, then you have Volkanovski rematch. If not, give Volkanovski then a rematch without a title fight. But I think there's a lot of really good things to do there. But Ilya is the real deal. He is a, he came in as a wrestle first type. Of, is how he started his career as a wrestle grapple heavy guy. We evolved his striking game and became so deadly with his hands. And we really saw it on full display there. But that a big upset as well. I don't think a lot of people saw Volkanovski losing at 145 pounds. But the curse continues. Fighters 170 pounds and under champions, once they hit 35, they're like 1 in 22 in their last 23 or something absolutely ridiculous like that. So that's something to, to keep an eye on. Is this the end of the Volkanovski trainer? Is he able to bounce back? Was it just a couple of rough setbacks? So we'll keep an eye there. But there was also another big announcement that there as well, too. UFC 300, the main event has been announced. We have Alex Perea taking on Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight fight. For those who maybe don't remember or were not familiar, Jamal Hill actually was the champion at light heavyweight and never vacated his belt. He tore his Achilles in between fights and ended up vacating the belt because, frankly, he didn't want to hold up the division, which, you know what, kudos to him. That's pretty, that's pretty cool on his part. But that with that said... UFC 300 is officially set now to, I believe there is like one undercard or something like that available, but they did say that, but otherwise the main event, the co-main event, a lot of those main ones are set and ready to go now. And you know what? We're going to go and take a look at that for those who are on the stream with us as well. So we're going to start at the top. As I mentioned, Alex Perea, Jamal Hill, and honestly, an incredible fight. And you can look at the odds there. They are very close. This fight's Whatever the odds are for it going to a decision, I am definitely taking the absolutely not. This fight might even, I don't know. If, I'm, I'm curious to see once we get closer what the over-under on the rounds are. If it's a two and a half, three, something like that. I think this one's going to end abruptly and violently. Whoever wins is going to end in the snap of a finger. Both have the ability to shut the lights out violently. Jamal Hill could lean on his wrestling and grappling attack, but I'm very, very curious. I'm very curious for this one, especially the odds once we get closer. Co-main event, we got Zhang Weili taking on, I do not know how to pronounce her name, Yan Xiao, and I apologize, I know I butchered that, but this one's very, very good, number one versus champion. For the first time, if I'm not mistaken, you got a Chinese champion taking on a Chinese challenger as well, so fun. A little bit of history in the making with this one as well. This one, nonstop action, like don't blink, it's going to be like, it's going to be a torpedo of fists, elbows, knees, everything you can imagine. It's going to be absolute chaos. Moving down, Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway, the BMF title on the line. Incredible fight. Max Holloway is always fun to watch. Same with Justin Gaethje. Incredible matchup. And honestly, Gaethje could be fighting for the title right now. Same with Max Holloway now with Ilya get, taking the belt. This one, I I do worry because Justin Gaethje getting older, taking a lot of damage. If Max Holloway catches him, we know how he can put on an absolute tornado of fists. He, his blitz is it's one of the better ones you'll see in the lower class, in the lower weight class, with his hand speed, his length, and his unmatched cardio. It, almost unmatched. He will not stop. Fi- if he gets you hurt, he will not stop throwing. 
So, and then Justin Cage, of course, has arguably the biggest power in the division. Charles Oliveira versus Armin Sukarian. This one's very interesting. I, if you notice here, Oliveira is actually the underdog despite being ranked number one compared to number four. Armin is widely considered to be he's got next. He wins this fight. He's fighting for a title next. So this is a one hell of a matchup. And then the, just rounding out the main of the main card here, Yuri Proshaka taking out Alexander Rakic. Alexander Rakic did have a title shot pretty much locked up with a gnarly head kick knockout. I believe it was over Jimmy Manawa as well, too. The dude is absolutely dangerous in and out of in and out of action a lot over the years. This one, same with the main event. I don't know what the over-under is. Four rounds are, but boy, am I I'm taking the under on that one as well, too. So we got a big upset off to 298. 299 is a big card. And I know 300 has a little bit, it lost a little bit of steam because Dana White basically said it was going to blow their blow everybody's minds. The main event, they added everything like that. It's a very good fight card top to bottom. This one is this one is quantity, even if they're and quality. It's not blowing the load at the top and then kind of fizzling and with anticipation. The way you are on the edge of your seat the whole time. I mean, look at look just going down here. Cody Garbrandt, Davis, and Figueredo guaranteed someone goes someone's going to sleep. Bo Nickel, Cody Brundage. Look, look at these odds right here. Holy moly! Holly Holm, Kayla Harrison, the new signed prospect. We'll see. It. She's jumping right into the deep end. Yusef versus Lopez. I am not touching that one with any money whatsoever. That is an incredible matchup. Andraj Rodriguez. Look at the odds here. Dead even. Then Bobby Green and Jim Miller. Bobby Green, for better or for worse, is going to come in like a reckless bat out of hell. And Jim Miller has the most fights, most octagon time. He's, I swear he's 500 years old, even if he's not. He's been around for so long. It's going to be quite the fight card, too. I look forward to it. Once we get closer to UFC 300, we'll talk about it a lot more, too. But UFC 298. With a big upset alert, and anyone who's been upset just listening to me this whole time, well, don't worry, guys. Your time is over. Is I am now joined, of course, by my co-host Kelsey, who he's had a busy day. He's hard at work. There. He's hard at work. Basically, has to keep his dog fed, and she is not. She is not easy. But Kelsey, we are glad to have you join us. Uh, she might be the most spoiled dog in the world uh, with how much <laughs> I work to provide for her. No, I'm glad, glad to be here. Finally, uh, sorry it took it took me so long, but don't worry, you guys were in capable hands. Obviously, the talk of USC. 298 here, uh, DJ. I mean, look, it was great fight card. I'm glad you were you were able finally. We, we we talked about doing doing a thing about it last week, and we didn't get time time to get there. So I'm glad you were able to at least talk about the upset now. Exactly. And you know what? As somebody who I mentioned earlier, I bet on both sides of the main event because the odds were surprisingly good. So I walked away with money, and almost, I hit all parlays except one, and that's because well, the main event. I can't when you pick one. When I picked both of them, one of them had to lose. You can't go perfect in that regard when you pick both sides of it. But Almost hit a seven-parter, so you know what? Maybe DJ's best bets will stick with UFC a little bit more. Football got a little, had some rough stretches, but caught, but picked up when it needed to. Maybe a, maybe DJ's best bets will be a UFC betting thing now. And I, and I say that as I'm about to go like one and seven because I said that. But definitely, hey, you got to start somewhere, right? Exactly. You know, it, it's all fun and games except for the people getting punched in the face. But you joined just in time because we're going to talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart, and by that I mean, uh, it's going to be it's going to be sweaty for a while too. We're going to talk about quarterbacks and a lot of rumors coming out that recently as well, too. I'm going to start with your favorite one. We're going to get this one out of the way. There is a rumor, and I'm emphasizing rumor. Like, if you have a rumor mill uh, sound effect, break it out now. But I don't think there is such one. But honestly, Dak Prescott now is looking to – there's rumors that he is going to reset the market with his next deal at roughly $60 million, I believe is what they're saying. So uh, Kelsey is the Cowboys fan. Feel comfortable with that possibility? Do you think it actually happens? Do you think it's just he say, she say? What are, what are your thoughts on that, knowing Dak is coming off that last big contract that he signed, too? What does he want? 
Hmm. Just we'll start there. What has he won? Yes, you're going to say the NFC East once, twice, te- well, technically twice, but once under the last sometimes, but like, yeah, whenever the Eagles don't win it, basically, they just flip yeah. flop. Um, so period. Uh, again, I've said st- I stand on this opinion and I am like DK right now. I'm standing on business when I say this. Dak is not the future quarterback for the Cowboys at a record contract. Just like I said, he deserved the contract before the injury. I still stand by that. I still believe he was deserved it before the injury because you just had so many different injuries to the offensive line, to the receiving core at the time. And there was so much changeover. You didn't really know what to get. You were actually getting from, him, but you knew you can get quality from him. Well, guess what guys experiments over. This isn't Justin Fields. We're not talking about a guy who's been in the league for three years. We're not talking about a guy who who hasn't been, you know, 100% who's been 100% healthy through his career. No, no, we're talking about Dak Prescott who just broke his ankle recently in the last five years. Also, again, let's not forget he's a mid-round draft pick. And I, I bring that up only to say for a mid-round draft pick, he performed admirably well. He has not performed to be at a new record-setting contract at any point in time in his career. He gets great empty calorie yards. That does absolutely nothing for you when you're trying to win a division, when you're trying to win an NFC Championship game. Better yet, maybe just get to the NFC Championship game and we can talk. Hmm. Maybe don't lose to the 49ers with Zeke as your quarterback or as your uh, center. There's so many things I could I could I could just address. Brandon Cooks came into the offense this last year, pretty much wasted, absolutely wasted in this offense. Michael Gallup, where's he been at? You threw it to a tight end, great. You love tight ends. We've talked about this a thousand one times. I thought the tight end loss was going to be a big deal last year. It was, but guess what? He found a new tight end, so it worked out. You still have CD. It's obvious, and I mean obvious to anybody watching it. If you have two eyeballs and they work, even. 20 to 100 type of vision here. So you just blur your figures on the screen. You can still see there's a disconnect between your best receiver, also your best offensive player, and your quarterback that's supposed to be a franchise guy. That can't happen. You can't have two franchise guys not on the same page because that just tells you your franchise is dysfunctional, period. So, again, I mean, Dak... I'm not going to say you go out and get somebody else, but you do not reset the market with this contract. Take what is already there, make him the 10th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And I'm uh, that's acceptable. Absolutely acceptable. But if you go with the top paid quarterback in the NFL per year, no, you are wasting money. I will continue to bang the drum that if that happens, the Joneses really need to get out of the out of the out of Dallas because there's there's no way Dallas will ever, ever make it back to a Super Bowl with the Joneses in charge if they sign Dak to this mega contract they're talking about. Yeah, exactly as well too. And not not to mention on top of that, like right now he's just I think he is at about number ten, give or take, right now at about forty million. Some of the names ahead of him, you look at like Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, some of those, and it's like, hold on now, he should not be getting more money than me. But on the same token, too, that was their first big contract. This is going to be his second one. And I'm I'm going to emphasize that I will never say that a, a player should be expected to take less money. They should never be expected. Emphasis on the word expect. 
they could be asked. They could be told we're not paying you that much. That's different. But saying, oh, Dak's going to take less money, that is, don't you put that expectation on him. If they want to, they should offer Dak back, look, we'll give you 45. We'll make it so you're 45 to 50. Maybe we'll go up to 50 million. So you're in the top five again. Not going to get resetting the market. You got to pay CD Lamb, as you mentioned, coming up too. That coming off the season he just had as well, he's going to, you're going to have to pay that man. 88s know how to get paid. We've learned anything from Michael Irvin, Des Bryant. 88s got to get paid. Micah Parsons, that man's going to get paid quarterback money. Like he's all, he's, yeah, no questions there. Plus, you got to fill out the rest of the roster on top of it as well, too. We've learned from the Chiefs. There's ways to make it work. Stagger, so like Dak gets most of it front-loaded, CD in the middle, Mike at the end. However you want, there's ways to make it work. Look at the Saints. They're still negative $80 million in the cap. There's ways to make it work. Chargers are negative 45. There's ways to make it work, kick the can, whatever you got to do. But I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. They're like, if Dak says give me this money and they're going to take, they're going to offer it, then by all means, make it happen. But if I'm the Cowboys, I'm looking to see if there's a way we can make it where that cap hit doesn't, whether it's a discretionary bonus, whatever it is, ways to where you're not going to take a complete number two on the cap. But find a find a way to find a way to Tom Brady at this point because you're not the first contract, especially coming off of being that mid round pick as you mentioned. Go get all of it. Go get all of it, especially coming off that injury. But now you are in your 30s, being the quarterback. You're actually 30, excuse me. So you're. I guess you still have a few good years left in theory, but like if you're going to sign one that big, make it like a two to three year deal. You can't do like a six year, $60 million. Like you can't go Von Miller-esque or something ridiculous. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree no, with I, you though. I, if you can find a way to do it for 45 a year, that's the, that's probably the sweet spot. Yeah. And yeah. let me be quick because you mentioned this at the beginning. So I just want to address this. I'm not saying pay him less. Yeah. 40 million, another three years. Okay. Absolutely. Add a $5 million roster bonus in each year, so that doesn't count against your cap. And add a $5 million performance bonus. Well, guess what? Now you're a $50 million a year quarterback. But as far as our cap space is concerned, when I say R, I'm speaking as in the form of the Cowboys talking to him. We're only getting a cap hit of about dead space, I think, of $33 million at that point in time, which is a huge improvement over what would be the case if he signed a $60 million a year contract. There's no chance, despite all the money that Jerry Jones claims he has, there's no chance you can successfully f- pay that man $60 million a year and field a successful team. Unless you take away the salary cap. Then they can go full New York uh, Yankees. Because like, he's got he does have that Jerry Jones money. But like as you mentioned, like as you mentioned, there's no way. And even the cap taking a jump to I think 250 this next year as well. Like it's going up eight million. I mean, there's you, you you can play with some stuff, but you you got a lot more priorities here in Dallas than paying Dak $60 million. And again, let me be clear. I'm not saying Dak is a bad quarterback. I still think he's a top 15 quarterback in the league, which is great. You're not going to go out and try to find a better quarterback unless they just pop up. Like if Patty somehow got, was rumored to be traded. Of course you try to go get Patty. You try to go get Josh Allen. You try to go get Joe Burrow. You try to go get Justin Herbert. But if it's like Baker Mayfield, you're not trying to replace Dak with Baker. Like he's You're gonna lose. There's no argument here. Like there is yeah. in that area. It's just like, like just just be. I got because you, you already know what's gonna happen in the comments. Oh, Dak deserves to be paid. He's a top five quarter. Pause. Remember time frame for when he gets these stats because usually it's when Dallas is losing or they're up by a lot and he's just running it up or he's just trying to make it look respectable and defenses are playing prevent. Those are the two things that really happen. I've yet to see a performance from Dak in a close game back and forth that I I really can stand on and be like. That's a good quarterback. That is a top five quarterback. I've yet to see that consistently from him. Yeah. 
So definitely we're going to keep an eye on what happens in Dallas as well. But we're not done there yet. We got another quick one. We're going to look at Kirk Cousins, available to it, the market as well too. And a little rumor is maybe Atlanta could be interested. I mean, him and his family, they spend a lot of time in Atlanta. They are Atlanta's kind of the home of the grandparents too. So we'll just keep it quick on this one. Kirk Cousins, if he leaves Minnesota, if he doesn't stay there, you like the idea of him uh, taking a pit stop in Atlanta for a couple of years? Honestly, I like the idea of any quarterback right now that that's being rumored to a lot to Atlanta to go to Atlanta. Um, I mean, obviously Ryan Tannehill's not being in, in rumored to Atlanta, so I'm okay with all the other guys. Kirk Cousins among them. The big thing with Kirk, you got to kind of address the injury. But I think, yeah, I, I mean, if he's going to go to Atlanta, by all means, take that. If you're Atlanta, we've seen what he can do when he actually says, "You know what? How you like that?" When he's that Kirk and not the white Dak Prescott Kirk. Uh, yeah, I mean, safe to say the guy can can light it up when he wants to. Uh, and, and look, that entire offense, it's young core. Get a guy who is a quality locker room guy like Kirk as well. That improves a lot of what you're already trying to do. Just you see it all the time. Add one quality veteran, the entire young team, just the entire ability for that team lifts with that quality veteran. Kirk is a guy. I think we can all agree that Kirk is a guy that in the locker room is a high quality locker room guy. Period. Uh, on the field, I mean, he doesn't really say anything on the field either, so it's not like that big a deal. Midwestern dad, you know, that whole joke. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, why not? I, I think Atlanta would be stupid not – if they have the opportunity, I think Atlanta would be stupid not to pursue that. See, that Coles cash is like glue in a locker room, too. The, the, like, when he comes yeah. in with that Coles cash, it brings everyone together. And what's fun – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he's going to have to change from a Coles guy to being a belt guy. You guys are from the South. You already know. <laughs> Belk is the, uh, the high-quality – Coles of the South. He might, you know, he might double dip. He might have coals on top, belts on bottom. He might find a way to mix it as well. But what I like about this possible move is, I mean, obviously he's older, so you're going to get him for a two to three year deal. You're not going to, you have all these skilled players on rookie deals, so you can afford to just like load him up right away. You can do like that stupid three years, like 90 million fully guaranteed or something ridiculous he got with Minnesota not that long ago. It's not ideal for a quarterback of his age coming off an injury, but you can kind of risk it for what he brings to the table. You had the chance to at number eight. You don't have to try and trade up for one of those other quarterbacks we expect to go towards the top. Like you don't have to try and find a way to finagle one of those. You're getting a Pro Bowl MVP caliber quarterback the way he was playing last year pre-injury. And it means like in round two, you could take a flyer. Let's say Bo Nix slips to the second round. You can grab Bo Nix, have him sit. Spencer Rattler's there. You JJ McCarthy, he's not going to slip. Someone's going to overdraft him. But you know what I mean? Like there's options where you could take somebody and let them hang behind Kirk Cousins for a bit. Some of those guys that have, Maybe very talented, but a little bit raw, quote-unquote, for lack of better words. Or somebody you just want him to ease them in, give them the Jordan Love treatment. Do that with Kirk Cousins. And then at pick number eight, I believe they have, you could take a Roma Dunze to pair next to Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson. Malik Neighbors if he slips. Or for some reason you want to just go three tight ends and throw on Brock Bowers. Or I, now I'm just being ridiculous. Or Dallas Turner. There's a lot of options there at eight where you don't have to worry. But or, I, you know overdraft an offensive lineman because you need them you can always you can never have too many offensive linemen even i think they had like a top 12 offensive line last year go and make it top top five go bring in joe alter lufashanu just make make it make an absolute wall in front of kirk cousins so he can throw laser beams and we'll see kyle pitts in the end zone finally on american soil too so that that's good but speaking of atlanta that's not the only quarterback with rumors there we're gonna go to the main one the one i was waiting for you to get here for the bears allegedly quote unquote this is a rumors <laughs> all over might be making their quarterback decision in the next week as well too whether it's stick with fields and move the pick 
or if they're going to probably look to use that number one pick on on a on a quarterback. What I will say is, if you're Justin Fields, trade value is obviously pretty high right now, and it can go up. The good news is it can go to actually let me it. it can go down. Obviously, the scouting combine teams see these kids, they like them, they're less likely to throw something for Fields. Maybe they'd offer a second before now they'll offer a third. There's still free agency to come after, so there's that. There's the chance that it can lower there. There's also a chance that it could heighten as well, too. Let's say the at the combine, teams do not like these quarterbacks after seeing them and talking to them in person. Some of those later guys like, oh, they're high on Michael Penix coming in, but then during the interview process, maybe they aren't, or JJ or Spencer Rattler, any of those other guys outside what we expect to be the top three. Free agency comes and goes, and you're not able to secure a Baker Mayfield if he doesn't get re-signed or Dak or any of those, and you're kind of stuck in the Taylor Heineke situation, to use Atlanta for a term. Or if you're Minnesota and you're too far back and you lose Kirk Cousins, then Justin Fields' value suddenly goes from, oh, you need a quarterback, huh? Well, that second-round pick just became a first. So I think that that gives you a little bit more – I don't think they'll get a first one, but you get my point. And there's a lot of teams that I think Pittsburgh's rumored with him. Minnesota's an option. Atlanta's a big one, which I think if they don't go Kirko, I love Fields there too. So he's going to have a market as well too. So depending on what the Bears do, they can – I'm still – it's tough because I love Justin Fields and I think he, I don't think he needs to be traded, but at the same time, I still would trade him because I think they both need a fresh scenery. I think they're both in that sit kind of like Baker and Cleveland a few years ago. Granted that was a lot messier and a little bit different uh, apples to pears, but I think Fields is going to be his best with someone else. And I think the bears will be better off long-term with someone else. Problem is the bears can't screw that up and Fields has to, He's got to play with that monumental size chip on his shoulder like he did in the Clemson rematch where he threw six touchdowns. He has to keep that moving forward, which I think he can do, and go to the right situation. So if I'm the Bears, as much as I hate and I love Justin Fields, I think you do move him, but I think you find somewhere where you can get the most value, and you got to hit on that number one pick. Consensus, it's Caleb Williams. If that is who you go with, you better give him everything in the kitchen sink to succeed. So you tell him, say, hey, go save us with DJ Moore and wet tissue paper offensive line. If you Justin Fields him, here we go again. Spin that circle round and round. Yeah, uh, I think this is make or break for the the Bears. Um, I'm going to be honest about it. I, I I said this before about the situation with Patrick Mahomes back in the day. I think, obviously, they missed. Front office knows they missed. They're always trying to make up for that. So now they see an opportunity to go get this guy that who's being claimed to be the next Patrick Mahomes. Not, not the truth. This is not what it is. We'll talk about him more often down the stretch, but just the fact of the matter is he's not Patrick Mahomes coming no out of college. You have a guy in Justin Fields who has been proven to take over and win games with the crap you gave him last year. Oh, and by the way, the crap you gave him the year before when you were 10 times worse with no DJ Moore, and he still gave you wins. So just think about this if you're the Bears. Huh. Man, I got a high-quality guy. He could take over a game. He is a dynamic athlete. What should I do? The answer is simple. It really – this is the simplest answer I've ever seen in the NFL. Don't trade a guy you just drafted three years ago and have yet to give him any quality protection. You've given him the worst offenses I've ever seen. Up until DJ Moore, he had no reliable weapons. Nobody who would actually catch the ball consistently. I mean, Cole Komet's there, but – how many times has Cole Komet dropped a wide-open touchdown? I don't have enough fingers and toes to count them. Like, it's DJ incredible. DJ Moore got there, ironically enough. DJ Moore made his life a lot easier. Yeah, put DJ Moore up there, and it's like, man, Justin Fields just, holy crap, I see it now. I see what he can be. 
We're not even talking about the fact the Bears have a terrible defense as well. They at times performed better last year, but that's what came in. It changed, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. And up until up until Montez Sweat got there, it was bad. And now you get Montez Sweat there. So now you have two guys on both sides of the ball who you can build around. You can actually build around. Why would you trade away one of them for the hope, a dream that this number one pick potentially is going to pan out to be the next Patrick Mahomes. By the way, if history is anything to go on, and which, by the way, history always repeats itself, ladies and gentlemen, it is a fact of life. You will not get another Patrick Mahomes for another 8 to 12 years. We're not there yet. We're not in that time frame yet. We're in the time frame of a guy like Ryan Leaf, where you get... A great college kid, a guy who has dynamic skills in college, but doesn't always translate to the NFL. Obviously, Ryan Leaf, there's a lot more to be included there. But skill-wise, it falls there. Johnny Manziel, a dynamic athlete, made impact in college, could not make an impact in the NFL. So if I'm I'm Chicago, and I've said this the entire time, I double down on Justin. I keep him. You have him for, what, two more years under contract? I think they another year and a option, so I think that's one more. I think they will have to pay him because I think they did decline the option, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Idiots. Anyways, uh, I, I I really hate the Bears front office. <laughs> um, I I apologize to every Bears fan out there. You guys have the worst front office I've ever seen. Um, Jerry Jones second to you, but it's it's not close. I retract no, that he is under a contract for the fifth year option. It looks like. Okay, so so they have a year plus an option. Okay, so you get him the two ne- next two years. Make your decision then. You don't, you're already, the, the money is already in the bank, literally, just waiting to be put to his account. Just just stick with it for the next two years. Take the high draft picks you have, build a support system, or trade down those draft picks and get even more draft picks to draft better NFL-ready guys so you don't have to try to build them up like you do with a lot of these young talent guys. And see what you can do with Justin. And if it doesn't work by the end of two years, guess what? Go ahead, Justin. Have a great life. But you're not losing anything. I would like to fact check myself again. They have not made a decision yet. They don't have to make one yet. So they still could technically do it. It is not made. They they have until the end of next season or the beginning of next offseason, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I'd have to double check just to be sure. But I think because he's been in three years, you have to accept it before you. I I imagine it's coming up as well, if I'm not mistaken. It might be the August 1 deadline. It might be or July 1 deadline, I should say, or July 17th, whatever the hell. Yeah, that makes sense because they did Justin Jefferson and those guys not too long ago too, and he was right after him. So either way, point is you have a chance you could figure it out this year and then delay having to pay him a little bit. I get the whole resetting the quarterback contract thing. I know it hasn't been perfect. I know Fields hasn't been perfect. But if you're drafting someone to be the next Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. You, no matter what, you're going to hurt You're going to hurt yourself long-term. And if you expect him to be your savior, if you draft him to be a franchise quarterback that can develop and be the best he can be, okay. But the problem is if you're drafting to be Patrick Mahomes, that's the issue. That's where I want to be a fly on the wall in that front office through the next few weeks. I want to know what they're going through, what their process is, what the back and forth is. I want to do that for all teams, honestly. But this one particularly, I want to know what they're scouting. Maybe they love Drake May instead, and that's where they're kind of like, huh, can we find a way to double finagle this and just just super? Maybe they love Jane Daniels. Who knows? This is my problem with the draft, and I was – Again, I'll stand on business on this one like DK. I, I, this is you don't keep trying to, to hope for a quality commodity to come out of nothing when you have something that is high quality 
already on your team. But they, and, and, and technically speaking, he hasn't been damaged yet. It's not damaged goods yet. Very close though, but it's not, not damaged goods yet. And because he won last year, that's the big reason why he was able to win games last year. So he didn't fall into that category of oh crap, now he's damaged. Now we got to get rid of him. Down he's the stretch, there. he made the decision a lot harder than it was like those first six games. What he did down the stretch was like oh, yeah. now we have yeah. a choice. Made. Like you got to recognize what he's done with what he has, and it. I mean, we talk a lot about. You know, we did actually a whole series on this, uh, I think, two years ago about the guys who have done the most with the least. You know, we talk about Andrew Luck. We talk about some of Peyton Manning's years. We talk about some of Tom Brady there. We talk about some of the other guys in the NFL that have done it. Justin Fields, while he has not won to that caliber yet, has done a lot with a whole lot of jokes in that offense. And I'm not including Darnell Wright because that's probably the best tackle he has. But you have a guy you drafted two years ago who can't even stay healthy enough to get on the field. That's not doing you any good. Your left tackle, whatever happened with him last year, he was good at times. And then he would erupt and yell and scream at his teammates while getting escorted off the field. Yeah. Again, you, you know, there's so much dysfunction there. Don't waste what you have on a hope. At the end of the day, the NFL is too important to these front office guys. Like your job is too important. You cannot miss. That is the big thing. The draft is your ultimate letdown. If you miss in the draft, you are fired. There's a whole movie about missing in the draft or winning in the draft. It's called draft day. It's all about Cleveland. If they ever had a dream draft, that would happen. But guess what? That's yet to happen. And how many front office people have we seen fired in the middle of the summer after a terrible draft or the next year after a terrible draft happens all the time. GMs, can guarantee a job for 10 plus years if they have a good draft. So stop trying to dream up something, go with a known commodity, no, go with what you have, build around it. Don't waste this. I, I swear the Bears, if they waste this, they are just, it's another decade plus of, of misery. And every Bears fan probably cringes hearing that, but they probably think the same thing in the back of their head. If we don't do this right, we're not going to win. And to your point, I do think that if you're going to trade them, it's because you guys just have done, had so much bad blood. But if they decide not to, you have four months to make things right. Do it. Do whatever it takes. Buy the man six Bentleys if you have to, but do what it takes to get this man in the right headspace because he's shown he can win when he's in the right headspace with the team around him. Just make it happen. I mean, the Bears have all the all the ability to make it happen. They just keep second-guessing themselves because of the Patrick Mahomes thing, what, seven years ago? Something like that, yeah. I, I think a lot on top of that, too, is, what makes it even more confusing is all of the moves they've made so far don't give you an answer either way. You keep Matt Eberflus as coach, as head coach, basically putting it in a, if you take a rookie, it's a lame duck situation. If the rookie struggles, you fire the coach and the GM, then you start all over again, just like you did with Justin and Mitch Trubisky, where they came in as lame ducks. But you still fired the entire offensive staff from pillar to post, which needed to be done. But at the same time, you basically neutered his staff and made, rehired everybody. And then you brought in Shane Waldron. Good coach worked with Geno Smith, so that shows like, hey, helped with there. Maybe they're going to re- do a reclamation project here. But they also tried to get Cliff Kingsbury, who we already know about that connect as a QB coach. We know the connection with Caleb Williams in college, that sort of thing too. So their their moves are very interesting. In the fact it it shows disappointing Justin Fields, but also shows well. Hold on now, like there's a lot of weirdness with the moves. It's not clear lock in the sand like most teams do, where they clean house or they bring everybody back. Like they split right down the middle, which doesn't look good either way. Like, that's why I'm just like, 
and, and the last the last thing about this, and, and I'm gonna leave it alone after this. I just gotta give props to Justin Fields and the way he's handled this. You know, I Justin Fields, obviously, there's been situations in this past, obviously, the situation in Georgia, why he transferred away from Georgia to Ohio State and how that was handled, maybe wasn't the best from all parties. I think he learned. I think he's he's come up and now yeah, you've seen it. He has said time and time again, no, I want to be a Chicago Bear. I want to be here. I want to win in Chicago with this team. And I, I don't think there could ever be a bigger vote of confidence for his teammates than having that guy tell you he wants to to win in that team. It, it, it's eerily similar to Michael Vick with Atlanta when they were just not really that good. And he was like, no, no, I want to win with this team. And that's when they changed over jerseys, by the way, next year. But um, I don't see a Bears jersey switch, and then all of a sudden they start winning. But hey, maybe, maybe, maybe it, it, history does repeat itself yet again. I will say too, if they do decide to keep him, I want to know what they do with the pick. Do you keep number one and take Marvin Harrison Jr., arguably one of the best receiving prospects in a while, in my opinion, as of right now, before we've done our big boards or done our scouting, the number one prospect available, argue in my opinion. Or do you trade back and load up and fill out positions because you could use a receiver? Obviously, another receiver never hurts. You got free agency to do that as well to fill it out with some good guys. You have a deep receiver class. I mean, you can get guys like Troy Franklin around two, Roman Wilson late round two, round three. Do you trade back and maybe try and get several picks? You don't have a second round pick this year, if I'm not mistaken. Next year you have Carolinas too, which is worth something if you want to throw that into a trade as well. So I'm curious to see what they do if that is the case. Do you want to try and build, for lack of better terms, the 49ers where you just need someone to Brock Purdy it? Or do you try and build something that's a little – do you want to build like the bills with Josh Allen early on where it's so offensively heavy that it just played to their strengths per- perfectly then got some takeaways here and there. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm curious as well. And looks like we do have a comment here really quick. We'll pop up. How would you feel if bears trade Justin Fields and they trade number one to new England for Marvin Harrison jr. Plus some extra pins that picks a ninth pick to get JJ from Michigan. Me personally, I'm not big on JJ. I think I know he's going to go early. I'm not seeing it as well, but if, if you can get the three, and get a bunch of picks and get Marvin Harrison Jr., then maybe get, whether it's Bo Nix, Michael Penix, one of those other guys that you like, maybe even Jay Daniels slips a little bit for some reason. We've seen weird things happen. I don't hate that because what you could reasonably do there, trade back to three, get Marvin, and then with the Chargers, maybe you trade nine and some of those extra picks to jump up to five and steal Jay Daniels too. Maybe you pull some weird craziness like that, or if Drake May slips to five because, you know, Jim Harbaugh is looking at like, I need picks because I have no salary cap. So he might be willing to move back, so... You know what? I think there's this is what's fun about being the Bears. You have two top 10 picks. You could do some real goofiness. And I don't hate this idea as well because you could trade Justin Fields and get, let's say, a second to Atlanta, just a hypothetical second and a four or something like that, or the Carson Wentz trade a second, then a conditional second the next year. Use that to flip back up, get Jaden Daniels and Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe get Marvin Harrison Jr. and Drake May, perhaps. Like, I don't, if there's you, some fun that could be out there. If you can pull off a top five out of that, like get a three and a five out of that, that I mean, okay, yeah, sure. That, that's I, that, that's option three we didn't talk about there. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's, you know, selling the house there to, to make it happen. But, you know, I think this is the time. I, I don't like the idea of going to JJ. Let me just, I, just to address that part of the comment. I don't like the idea with JJ. But I think the trade option there is actually a valid trade option. I do like the idea of moving back for Marvin getting some extra picks out of that because you, you will, you, I mean, you'll get, you'll get the second rounders. You don't have, you'll at least get those and probably a fifth or sixth rounder. And if you do it right, you get quality picks there. But you know, as you said, 
then you use that nine pick. Maybe you drop drop that nine pick down even further. Maybe you drop into the 15 to 18 range, and maybe you do go for a guy like Bo Nix. Maybe you do go for a guy who is falling down the draft boards because outside of the top 10, if a quarterback hits 10, they're not going again until 15 or 16, very likely. If just, not later. Yeah, I mean, if not the end of the tell end of the first round on guys who just want to get that fifth round op- or fifth year option. So I I don't like the idea of going for JJ, but I like the essence of what he's saying. I like the idea of trading down for the first with the first pick, getting a getting picks, and even the ninth pick. If you don't go anywhere, which I do think, if you have the ninth pick, you do take an offensive lineman there um, for Chicago, or maybe you go defensive line, uh, defensive help, I, either option there. There's some great choices, but I would personally trade both down, so you get a three and a fifteen range type of pick. See what you can do there. Yeah, because you're going to get a haul. You're going to get second, third rounders. You're going to be able to fill that in. At the end of the day, NFL is made up of second and third, fourth, fifth rounders. That is the NFL. There's a couple first-round guys. But of the majority of the 32 team, thirty-two players usually drafted in the first round, about 16 of them are all that make it through. So you have 50%. Will your draft picks be the 50%? If you get two, you pro- you're, 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 you know, you're assuring yourself that hopefully one of them works out. And but that's probably number one pick too. Exactly. So that 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 is a good option. There's a lot that could be done here. And I wish I could just spy on their scouting department for these. I want to see what they're going through. I want to be able to I want to be able to see it all and see what they're going through because I gate, but Chicago. I mean I won't release it. I just want to know. Like, I just want to know. I Navy Pier. I mean, I'm not a coach. I can get away. I'm it's not spy gate <laughs> with me. So that exactly as well. So I'm very, I'm very curious as well too. If you keep the number one, that means drafting a QB. No lineman will be number one or Marge won't be number one. That's that's where it gets tough. Is what what they expect to do as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. We're gonna see what they do, and they better trust their scouting department on this one. Whatever direction they go, you got they hopefully. Do you, they trust, do you trust your scouting department though? Considering you just fired everybody else on on the team, does your coaching staff trust the, the scouting department because you just fired everybody else? Then that that'll be the question that we look at as well too. But we can go on about this all day long as well too. We got we have a lot of that coming up for us well too. But we do got to jump into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is of course the main event. And you know what, for the main event, we're going to go ahead and jump on over to the hardwood. Now is we're going to go ahead and take a look at the NBA all-star all-star game. And uh, this one just wrapped up highest scoring one of all time record offensive points, but also a record bad defense. We finally cracked 200. It was like 200 to 180 or something like that. And uh, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. It's the festivities are more fun than the game for me personally. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Like the skills competition, the three point shootout, everything, but the dunk contest really is, is fun in games. I like it's kind of enjoyable. Steph and Sabrina's three point shootout was awesome. The all-star game. I it's cool. I still had it on. I still watched a little bit, but it wasn't like, yeah, it's not, I wasn't locked into it. I guess it was, it was, it was who can huck up the most ridiculous shots. Luca shot a 70 footer once with 30 seconds left on in the, in the quarter. He just grabbed it, took a dribble and flipped it. They, no one's really, it's, it's hard to get invested in when no one else is clearly invested. Everyone's mostly goofing around till fourth quarter when Kat gives you 50. Yeah. I mean, when the moment I watched Luca and Jokic walk up the field or walk up the court by single touch, passing it back and forth, I was over. I, I didn't care anymore. Like I was done. I, I just didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. It was, it, you know, if you guys watched the NHL All-Star game, you saw one of their players just not care during the skills competition. And they're required to be there, by the way, in the NHL. The NBA, not required. Just there. You don't have to be there. It's, it's actually kind of entertaining that way. And so 
uh, you know, it's you think there'd be something they could do to fix it. But honestly, at this point in time, I mean, I was just I watched so it was noise in the background while I was doing work in the foreground. <laughs> I mean, I was doing I actively chose to do work on a Sunday night instead of just waiting to do it on Monday. I didn't need to do the work. I could have easily done it Monday. I was just like, eh, no, I don't really care about this game. I'm going to do work. Exactly. That's what's also makes it weirder is there was rumors that like Larry Bird, Vince Carter, and a couple others went into the locker room and expressed importance of you don't have to play all out. You don't have to go balls to the wall, playoff game, single elimination, game seven, but just like stick a hand up on defense. Like just try a little bit as well too. And didn't really see that, see that much at all, which kind of begs the question, is there really any way to fix the all-star game or are we just kind of, we just kind of stuck with it at this point. Yeah. How do you, how do you fix something when you, you already pay these guys astronomical amounts of money for a bench player? I mean, bench players are making $9 million. Uh, that's crazy to me, but yeah, I don't know if there's any good fix. Like the NHL, they started requiring players to go. And for the majority of them that go, they get chosen. They treat it like an honor in the NHL. The NFL, obviously, we we know how that's gone. There's so many opt outs every year that you're just like, yeah, it's the opt out opt out bowl. I mean, there's nothing. Tyler Tyler Huntley made it at all uh, Pro Bowl. Like, that's all that needs to be said. Everyone um, made the last Pro Bowl. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, uh, the MLB probably has the best. Oh yeah, of the games, um, and outside of at least in the Big Four, um, just because there's means something like you win and you get home field advantage in the, in the world series. You can't do that really with the NBA uh, just because the way your series is made, it, it doesn't really provide any opportunity. Like I don't, I, it's not the same effect for home court advantage in the, in the finals as it, as it used to be. So I don't know if there's any really good fix here. I, I mean, you know, what would be a wild fix is, you know, the team that wins West or East, that's the that's the the side of the um, NBA that gets the first pick overall. So when you do the lotto, you do a lotto, and then you subcategorize the lottery. So your first five picks all come from the East because they won the All Star game. Exactly, and I do want to. I'll go ahead and jump in on this comment we have too. The East and West is fine. I did the fantasy draft for a couple of years. Like I, I respect the effort, but like that's only fun when we do that on Madden. Like I, we don't need the fantasy draft for the real life All Star. Like the East versus West is fine as it isn't. What's weird too is if they do try and do home field, then or home court, excuse me, that means like this Jason Tatum, Giannis, those guys, they're going to be their fate of them having home court during the NBA finals could be dependent on like Jalen Brunson or who, maybe like someone who's, or if they have an all star who's from not in the playoff race necessarily, someone who's like, like a Trey Young or something like that as well. Like you're a lot of your future hopes are on somebody that's might, that's not going to be there as well. So that makes it kind of, Six and one and half a dozen the other. The only thing that I saw that might work, which really wouldn't, is the losing team, their DMs get released. That's the only way I can think of doing it at this point. It's like oh, losing God. team to get your D. Then at that point, then you're mm. it, it's all in at that point. Then people are going all all out. But put a GPS watch on them for six weeks. Oh boy, that'll for the rest of the season you have a GPS watch on you and it's connected directly to your significant other or parents cell phone. Speaking of spygate, huh? Like we, we come full circle. You know, at this point in time, like yeah, we, like I hate to say it, but the NBA guys, there's, you, there's not a lot of incentivizing these guys anymore because they make so much money, and they, the rest period is its own thing. Uh, that's its own conversation. You know, the rest games. Like you tried it with the like the, I think the perfect example is to be qualified for the MVP, you have to play X amount of games. I believe it's sixty games. 
Yeah, I think it's 70% of the season, I believe. So. Yeah. So you have to play X amount of games. Dudes don't care. Kawhi, PG, they're like, dude, I don't care. My knees are more important to me. LeBron, yeah, I've won my, my MVPs. I don't need it anymore. He'll still play 70%. And Joel tries and he hurts himself for the whole season. Yeah. And then you get, it's the same thing with the all-star game. If you try during the all-star game and you get hurt, everyone's going to poop on you for that. If you, it's, you can't win either way. So I don't know what you do. I I, I don't I wish there was a way to get 60% effort as opposed to 10, 40. You, you know what? One-on-one versus Kelsey Plum versus one dude from the NBA. If the WNBA wins, they get all the funding that the NBA gets game over. I bet you guaranteed guaranteed the nba would try that that's it maybe the winning team gets gets paid and the losing team has to pay i don't know like there's there's really no way to fix it. it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day it's an all-star game like it's not it's just you lose your shoe sponsorship as soon as you if your team loses Ooh, you know steph's gonna be dropping 50 real quickly so you know that be on the same team real fast in a hurry and kevin durant too like those three are like nah this this isn't gonna happen Giannis, yeah Giannis probably doesn't Giannis probably actually would try still he does kind of he's still yeah it's it's tough i it there's no real way to answer it or fix it it would just be nice to get a little bit more but at the same time like what am i gonna do i'm not gonna stand on my high horse and like you must try you must go all no it's like it's just it's for the sake of a selfish fan viewership i'm like just a little bit more just try to block his shot kobe and lebron from like six years ago just give me a little of that you know this i kind of feel like they need to do what the nfl does and just put it at the end of the season after the finals but do it like a location. Do it like, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're making such a case for the NBA Africa League. Screw it. Play it in Uganda. Play it in South Africa. Play it in Ivory Coast. Where, where, I mean, choose, choose a country. Play it in Egypt. You know, go play it in Nova Scotia in, on an ice. Like, do something fun, and I imagine players will be more enjoy, more, more likely to enjoy it and try. Because oh, right now... Cancun off three. Play the All-Star game in Cancun. Yeah, like... You know, give them banana boat for for the winners. Like I, I guarantee you, you'll see all of a sudden LeBron trying real hard. He might look twenty five again if you pull that out. Now that that's a whole different case. But let us know down below if you guys think there's any way that you could that the All Star game can really get fixed to maybe inspire a touch more competitiveness or just be a little bit less. Yeah, a little bit less, less layup lines and playing games of horse with the three point line. Basically, it's some of Dame's shots are ridiculous. Some of the dunks Cat was pulling off, it's, it has its moments, but it's just like I don't know. It's a little bit of the intrigue is just not quite the same. You know, that was the other part. The the three-point shots were fun when it was like one dude going against the other dude, right? When it was Steph and Dame a couple years back, or I guess it wasn't Steph, it was Dame and somebody else from the East. No, I think it was Steph versus Dame a few years back. Maybe it might have been during one of the fantasy draft years. Yeah, yeah. And, And, you know, it was just, it was fun to see that. Or when it was LeBron versus Kobe, that was like, that was an incredible matchup. It's it's actually blocked his shot too, yeah. Like he was locked in. But like, you don't get that now. Get, get, eh, there's a whole conversation about the where the NBA is going to, but you just don't get that anymore, and that's the disappointing part. It's a uh, and there's no incentive too, so I can't even really. There's no one really to blame. It's just an odd oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the only way there is about it. Really, really you, you guys did a great job. You started paying your players more. You started giving them more benefits. And guess what? The players are like, all right, we're happy to keep playing our regular NBA games, but we're not going to care about this exhibition game. Who knows? They, that's their job to figure out, not every, ours. Every, well. every every union in the world just says, that's what we want to do. Yeah, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> but the, honestly, the, I've either way, let it be. At this point, it feels like just being named an all-star is the cool part of the game itself. It's it's 
not the Pro Bowl, but it's definitely not MLB's All Star game. That one still, I think, just is don't make game. the All Stars part of anybody's contract anymore. That could work. That could be something as well too, or make it like the initial vote in, not like a. I don't know. There, that's their job to figure out. I'd, I'd either here nor there. Let us know down below if you all even like the All Star game. If you think there's some changes to what you think could be done to make it a more interesting viewing experience as well to maybe bring in a few more dollars to the NBA too. You know they want to try and maximize that as well. But that's going to do it here for the main event, which is going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is crunch time. Crunch time, of course, brought to you by Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial to start betting smarter, not harder. See if you can win yourself a few dollars here with all you need from trends, money lines, and everything in between. And it's that time of year, Kelsey. It's arguably our favorite time of year. It is NFL draft season for better and for worse, and it officially kicks off for us on Monday with the NFL Combine getting going as well. Mock Draft Mondays will be returning here on the YouTube channel. Every Monday we'll be, do, we'll be doing a mock draft just based on what we heard throughout the week, what the rumors are, just tinkering around. Some will be what we think will happen. Some will be what we want to happen. Some of them will be, you know what, how funny would this be? Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, this is my – Loki, this is – it started – okay, so the history of our show started that this was a time off in our first year. We took this time frame off, and we hated it because we wanted to talk about it every day, but we could never get our schedule right. For the last two years, we've made sure that we are on top of this, doing everything we can for the draft, including visiting Cleveland – for the draft in 2020. I guess it's been three years now we've done this. So yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of fun and this, you know, this being our third year here, it's going to be a lot of fun again. Um, you know, we've got a lot of coverage, Matt mock draft Mondays being part of it. We're going to change our tiers Tuesday or tier Tuesdays over to a little bit of a draft special for the tiers tier Tuesdays going forward. And that'll be fun as well. I, I mean, I love draft season. I love mock drafts. I mean, I feel like we played enough Madden in our day to, to kind of prepare us for this moment uh doing our, our our fantasy leagues if you will um so yeah no this is a lot of fun i can't wait absolutely definitely looking forward to those so definitely check our youtube channel every mondays for those starting of course on monday as well too going through the combine and all the way moving forward up until draft day and our final mock draft the day before the actual draft itself which will be on a wednesday on our live show so you'll definitely want to check out that but that's all we have for today we appreciate y'all for joining us here on this wednesday evening or one of your if you're listening on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts We'll be sure to see you all again next week.